You're ready to be premature wow, all over again. Wow, that's, that's impressive. Quick, quick reset. Yeah. Quick reset. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Licking okay. gin balls. It's just going to be a vicious cycle. Who knew the job was pro bono? I was so high that um, I shit myself at some point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, get still here. Somebody, somebody, everybody mute. Goddamn, you're killing me. My SEAL Team 6 went to SEAL Team 12. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with punching above your weight. The fight you get better. Well, I don't know what's worse. You're a ginger or you've been vaccinated. You sit around and drink and solve the world's problems, right? Hey, let's go ahead and unwrap this present <laughs> so, uh, and let the I, debate begin. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It is another episode of A Spirited Debate. I could say it again. Like I always say, we got a good one today. Hopefully that's true. We'll find out. Luckily, we have all of the four horsemen back in the studio. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Gentlemen, how's everybody doing? Where, oh, where are you tonight? Why did you leave me here all alone? I searched the world over and thought I found true love. But you met another and you were gone. Ballads by, ballads by Haas. That's that's a new one. We're, we're breaking it up. We're getting interesting. I like it. Uh, all right. Glad you took here. out your false teeth, your wig, and Verse your glasses. Our, what is it? Jug. Uh, what are those? You know, like the jug bands or whatever that they used to jug, do. Jug handle bands. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's like, uh, that's boom, us. Boom. Yeah. Boom, boom. Yeah, the, uh, the little fork <laughs> thing. the washboard <laughs> and the, yeah, yeah. Jug. that's it all right well, everybody's back glad everybody's here glad everybody's safe and healthy uh looking forward to this one obviously before anything else let's go ahead and jump into our drinks uh all right so let's go around the room let's hit our drinks for this episode and find out what everybody is drinking uh mac let's start with you what are you drinking today brother so i, I kind of wanted to reset you know we had the discussion um around store-bought sweet and sour versus homemade sweet and sour uh, I, I was, I was set straight. I admitted it in that episode. We're not going to rehash all that. Um, but I went back to a pre-made mixer this week just to, uh, you know, make sure everybody knows that the, some things never change. Look, when, uh, I, so when again, I left, I was, when I left your house, there was still a homemade mixer there. So did you drink it all? Yeah. And then okay. I made more today. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Sorry. Continue. Uh, so no, I went back to the, uh, the kit that I had, uh, that, that Miss Mac had gotten me for Christmas and made a Caprina. I think I'm pronouncing that right. It's a uh, Brazilian, Brazilian drink. drink. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, just using the, uh, the mixer and then, um, actually using rum, uh, is what they called for. So, uh, found a bottle of, um, Hammond rum from Drummond Distillery up in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, so purchased that the other day when I was out and, Mixed it up. And turns out it's 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 too it's tasty. Uh, it's a little bit cold. I, I didn't think it through because uh, you know here in North Carolina we're uh, battling snowmageddon today. Um, so I probably should have made something a little bit warmer, not a tropical drink, but maybe it puts me in the right mindset. Hey man, uh, so that, that that's what you. I'm drinking today. Absolutely, if that works for you, go for it. Did you just like set all the ingredients outside ahead of time so they'd cool off? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Every, everything Smart just man. I put it outside let it freeze, then bring it back in and defrost it just a touch. There you go. There you go. And what's this called? A cal... A a caprinha. A caprinha. Okay. So it's... And you said it's a Brazilian drink? Yeah, I think it's like the official cocktail of Brazil. Nice. There is yeah, such a thing. if you... Like, if you go to, like, Fogo de Chao or, like, Texas Day Brazil, 
um it's a it's a very common drink there gotcha. at those two brazilian steakhouses so that's how you know it yes oh. that's actually where i had oh, it first okay, time okay. yeah actually it is yeah there you go oh, see i i just assumed he had been like to brazil, to brazil. And, you know, and, and I actually... got a Brazilian while I was having one. <laughs> uh, you a brave man. On that note, what did I'm you bring to the table? Yeah, there's no, there's no <laughs> hair in this, so I'm good. Well, that's the idea. Yeah, of a Brazilian, there wouldn't be. It would be clean. Yeah. All right, Grinch, what did you bring to the table today? Uh, it's it, it, I kind of had to go off of go with what I had available just because today is not a good day for driving, as Max said. Uh, but, uh, it's kind of, a, it, it's a, what I'm using is the orange Eddie's, uh, deep Eddie vodka. Um, and I, I'm, I'm using their fuzzy navel as the kind of the, the rough base of the, of the recipe. Um, I just had a couple of different ingredients. So I used the orange vodka and then instead of their peach, I used, uh, I had some like watermelon Malibu. So, you know, again, with the tropical theme, you know, so I can feel warmer here. And then I had uh, like some Sam Pellegrino or blood orange flavored, like, you know, what is it? Club soda or whatever the hell. It sparkling water, to, sparkling water. Yep. Um, and that's what I went with. So it's fuzzy navel ma- minus, you know, like orange juice, like just straight up orange juice. But um, yeah, it's pretty good. And I mean, for a price point, that deep Eddie vodka, like, I mean, you can get like they had a special. The bottle was like fifteen ninety five. For you know, I'm not a huge vodka guy, but you know, for the price, I'm like, can't pass good. It up for yeah. That. yeah, you know, and if it works on the drink, that's all that matters. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, like uh, I said, if you're mixing it with other shit anyway, what does it matter, right? And this is called what again? Uh, fuzzy navel, fuzzy navel. Okay, gotcha. All right, uh, or it's Haas. cousin, uh, Haas. <laughs> yeah, so, so it's just the navel that's fuzzy, everything else is the yes. full Brazilian, gotcha. Yes. Okay, um, I, I've just uh, that acknowledgement there said that I'm to go next, so I guess I will defer to the authorities and I will go next. So I'm going to go third. So actually while I was indisposed in North Carolina, my wife was gracious enough to spend some money and buy me the ultimate bar book. So it is, uh, you know, some, some stuff, some, some bartending guide and offers up over a thousand cocktails. And of course I, I got home and I started reading it and she went, you know, the book wasn't that expensive, but I have a fucking bad feeling. This is going to cost me a lot more money. Cause I'm like, Oh, well I need all this equipment. <laughs> and, and to start a basic bar, you should have this alcohol. And she's like, Oh fuck. Yeah. It's so like when you say, I just want to get into woodworking right. 37 <laughs> tools later. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, eight grand later. Yeah. So yeah, she was, uh, she was super gracious enough to get this for me. And so I kind of thumbed through it and, you know, she was like, are you going to find a drink? And I'm like, I'm going to look. So she had bought me for Christmas in my stockings. And of course we all know you do stockings last. So in doing my stocking last at Christmas, I pulled out a bottle of stirrings, watermelon cocktail mix. Now I'm, I don't normally do pre-made as Mac has already alluded to, but she, since she bought it for me, I wasn't about to disrespect her generosity. So I was like, I'll try this. Let me find a recipe. So I found a recipe for a watermelon martini and I generally do gin in a martini, but this called for vodka. And I imagine it's because you want that watermelon flavor and, and most gins already have a flavor to them where vodka doesn't. So it is just the stirrings, watermelon cocktail mix, absolute vodka. And then you just stir it and pour it over. I or uh, pour it in a glass. I used uh, watermelon that I had cut up and frozen as ice cubes. That's what I'm using in here. So that's actually frozen watermelon. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I'm having. It's very watermelony. Um, 
so yeah, I get to drink the drink and then eat the watermelon and everybody's happy. So that's what I'm doing. A watermelon nice. martini. Nice. Uh, all right, Haas. So what are you drinking? Yeah. Since no one's done one yet, I decided to do a, just a plain old traditional run of the mill screwdriver, you know, just vodka <laughs> and orange juice. And a dash of cocaine on the side. <laughs> yeah. Since nobody's. Did, oh, did I say watermelon martini? I meant I'm doing a screwdriver. I apologize. I was confused because nobody's done a screwdriver on this show. That's right. Ever. That's right. It's never nope. been done. That's right. It's Thank no you first. for being no. the first. That's, that's me, pioneer. Ground, somebody's got to be the first. That's right. Might that's as well me. be you. Yeah. Um, little Tito's, so, little orange juice. That's that's maybe maybe a dash of grenadine maybe not maybe not just depends on what, how you're feeling what kind of orange juice did you use oh it's fresh it's fresh press fresh squeeze sure. okay yeah yeah mm-hmm. yep yeah Look thor sent it to me you know via dhl yeah. oh so he squeezed it himself or did he, he did well he would bite into oh, the you odyssey you odyssey he would bite the pictures into the oranges he sent showing then... me how he squeezed it <laughs> believe me it isn't just orange juice in that container oh no it's not <laughs> it's got a little salty tin twinge to it he was doing kegels to squeeze That's up the orange yeah, juice. Yeah, he was. How do you <laughs> squeeze your orange juice, brother? Right? I mean, I, I get the orange juice put it and the workout. You work work it out of the wedge and then you <laughs> into the cup. Yeah, you, you mama bird it into <laughs> yes. the freaking so, so that's why his sweet and sour mix was so much better than my homemade sweet and sour yes. mix. Uh, I got yes. Fair enough. I was about to say something about your wife's commentary about my sweet and sour mix, but since you said that, I'm not gonna. Yes. With a dash, dash of bleach, yes. your own urine, yes. as we've come to know, urine therapy is apparently the way to get through COVID. That's how you do it. Yep. Uh, all right, gentlemen, well, I appreciate it, especially the very first screwdriver ever on the show. I'm surprised it took right. us this long to get there, but right. cheers to you, gentlemen, and another good episode. Cheers. Cheers. Your, your Calpernicus your fuzzy belly button, your screwdriver, and then my my screwdriver. So look at that. Let's, a, let's call it a Brazilian belly button. There you go. Brazilian, <laughs> there you go. Brazilian belly button. I like that. It's freaking awesome. All right. So let's go ahead and jump into our topic. This is one um, we've touched on this a few times, but now we are in a whole new era and we thought time to talk about this because there have been some things that have come up of late related to this topic that we thought bared conversation. And so about a year ago, we had an incredibly heated debate about should athletes, student athletes at the collegiate level be compensated. And we know how that went. I was right, but that's neither here nor there. And so then we move along to the NCAA lifting their guidelines and implementing an NIL deal not that long ago, last July, I believe it was. And we then circled back and talked about name, image, and likeness. And what did that mean for college sports? Well, now it is a whole new era in the wild west of collegiate sports and how NIL is being dealt with by schools, uh, businesses, and the students themselves. And we thought now is the time to talk about this because there have been some things of late that have come up that have demonstrated that the lack of regulation around NIL right now is going to be an issue. And so that's what we were going to talk about. Um, first and foremost, I think Grinchell would probably come out of the gate and talk about the Texas A&M situation, the number one recruiting class in 2022, the number one class in Texas A&M history mm-hmm. in terms of who and they were might, able to bring to the table. And if I'm not mistaken, it may end up being the highest rated recruiting class in, in ever. ever, ever since they've started yeah. tracking. Yeah. Right. So, so well, that was. And, and it's, it's interesting, interesting and or important to point out that they currently have what, 28 commits six five stars, 19 four stars on an average of 94.61 for 328.82 points. Uh, 
And Alabama at second only has 317.45. Now, usually there's only a small margin between each team, but I mean, they've, they've got, you know, 11 points more than the next closest team, which is Alabama, which is obviously a recruiting powerhouse, right? So, woof. How do you well, compete with that? And, and to pile on to that, this is coming on the heels of a not great season in terms of what their win loss, you know, record was, and they didn't even play in their bowl game. So this was completely fueled by NIL. Right. In my mind, there's no question that that's the reason this class was as strong as it was because of NIL. Well, I mean, you expect the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Clemsons, the Ohio States, the Notre like aside from name recognition, where they generally place every year, helps bolster their recruiting for the following year or the following couple of years. Teams, uh, you know, they're on the road. Players are always looking at them in terms of coming out of high school. And now it is a whole different era because, like you said, Texas A&M didn't have a great year, didn't have a horrible year, but didn't have a great year, opted out of their bowl game. And then here we are sitting in, in what we're saying is probably potentially the best recruiting class in history in collegiate football. There's a reason they got there, and that becomes the concern. And like you said, name, image, and likeness deals are fueling that almost exclusively. And, and you know, and I do want to say this, and it's a bit of AM bashing, but it's it's to make the to you know just put a you know a foot stomp on the point, which was COVID gave them the convenient out of whether or not they played in that bowl game, because frankly, they don't care about the money. It would do more harm to their brand to go in there and get waxed than to just say, screw it, we don't care. I mean, they're what tied, you know, roughly with Texas for the most valuable brand in college football at like $134 million. So, so in terms of the economics, they just didn't care. They aren't a school that that mattered of what they were going to get a payout for the bowl. And then, like we said, you know, they're not even in the playoff. They didn't play in the SEC championship. Right. And yet somehow there's all this momentum. And, you know, what's come to light is like what, like the, what do they call it? The, the pancake factory or whatever, where like every lineman's guaranteed 30K a year or something like that. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead, please. Uh, I was going to say, based on an article by Richard Davenport, considered the recruiting guy out of Arkansas online uh, back at the beginning of January, posted an article, and it talks about uh, July 1st marked the first day that college athletes could profit from their name, image, and likeness. And since then, there have been calls for the NCAA or Congress to step up and make rules nationally instead of allowing this current state-to-state provision. Yeah, An NIL deal cannot pay a player with the sole intent for the athlete to attend a school was one of the claims, but it w- it says that uh, it was intended not to be a recruiting tool, but now schools are using it almost exclusively for that. Uh, and it was thought that an, an athlete's marketability would attract businesses and, you know, compensation from the boosters and stuff like that would be part of that. And now it's saying like, Grinch, what you said, Miami businessman, Dan Lambert has offered money to Miami hurricane players. And there is also a nonprofit company in Austin, Texas, who's promising the Longhorn Scholarship offensive lineman $50,000 each in future play. Yeah, for like every year that right. they're there. And it is saying <clears throat> that the, the current situation, as I said, is considered the wild, wild west. And it is expected to continue until rules are set in place. And now we have obviously seen one of the best recruiting class in history 
built almost exclusively off NIL deals. So I don't know how you stem the tide of this, but that's what students are well, going to start expecting. You touched on it. There has to be national law in place. You can't continue to let each state legislate and dictate the NIL realm in their jurisdiction because then it, yeah, it's us versus them. It just gets, it just gets hairy and crazy and confusing and not fair. And so if you have national standards, that's how you beat this. Uh, and what will end up, what will end up happening is as schools like Texas, who we know historically have the wealthiest boosters for the university of Texas are going to start shelling out money to get players to show up and play and it's going to make it difficult. You know, they're going to, it's like, why are they not already at the top of the recruiting class list when you know they have deep pockets? And, and you, you said it in, in part of that article you just read, but, um, and, and maybe Nick Saban got this quote from that article, but his quote was, I think it's a little concerning as <clears throat> it, what I think is a little concerning is how, and I, I'm paraphrasing, is how NIL is being used to get players to decide where to go. Now, we're not shocked by that result, but that wasn't its intent. You know, the intent of the legislation was the fact that these kids were, their name, image, and likeness was being used to make others money. And, you know, the debate we had was, do they not have a stake in their own name, image, and likeness, which, you know, I, I mean not to unpack our whole other podcast on the topic, but that was the crux of what we were saying. Now, what, what, what's happened is those with vast resources and deep alumni connections are leveraging that to create recruiting classes. And, you know, we've seen it now. Okay. So Texas A&M just got the highest recruiting class perhaps in history, but you know, there's also, if you're just Googling news, the Oregon Ducks are being looked into for um, a third-party NIL that's been established. And, of course, guess who's connected to it behind the scenes? Would be Phil Knight. Knight. Right. Nike. <laughs> yeah. Big shocker there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, in, in, you know, I think back to the legislation, one of the things we've mentioned before, which I believe is the answer, is you almost have to view it with some type of salary cap. That's the only way they keep professional if sports. It's mandated even. on a federal level where everyone has the same rules to play by. That's still, I mean, look, we know every school has been paying players for years, right? It's been happening. Now it just needs to be legalized and it needs to be regulated. And if that happens, well, that's fine. But, but I still think you run into the problem with the haves and have nots there, right? I mean, you have the ability in a Texas or a Florida where, you know, there, there's larger booster bases. Um, there's, there, you know, there's a number of businesses that can then come in and help, you know, offer these guys these NIL, NIL deals as opposed to say, you know, I don't know, Vanderbilt. And I'm picking on Vanderbilt again, I know, right? But um, <laughs> so you, you, do you see what I'm saying though, so right? Mean. I mean, so you're still kind of, you know. Like why aren't more anchor companies backing <laughs> Vanderbilt? I know, right? right? Where, I mean, come on, where's man. Phil Knight when Vanderbilt needs a recruiting class? Um, so, no, I think that's, that's just still the problem you have is if, you know, you don't put in some sort of like a, almost a revenue sharing or something like that where, you know, you're bringing in this money, but there, there's got to be a cap or something on it. You can't just say, 
oh, we're going to, you know, unlimited, you know, and, and Thor, who was the guy you were telling me about last week um, up in Ohio that they were offering? Uh, if you want to no, no, that, because I just was I it found yours? that ridiculous. Well, yeah, and this is what I was one of the things I was going to segue to was part of this whole thing was the combination of a the NI the NIL deals coupled now with the transfer portal is going to to basically make all collegiate players in essence free agents because they can play at a school jump into the transfer portal you know they can play at a school for a year boost their stats jump into the transfer portal and command more at the next level uh it's who you're talking about is the Ohio the uh, Oklahoma State quarterback Caleb Williams that replaced Spencer Rattler and had a standout freshman season. Um, Oklahoma, yeah. Oklahoma. Yeah, Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah, Oklahoma. Um, Who got offered a million dollars by a former NFL player to go to, what was Eastern it? Michigan Eastern Michigan University. Michigan? Yeah. yeah. Oh, so, Thor, let me, let me steal some more of your thunder there. Oh, please. <laughs> go. No, go ahead. Oh, no. Um, so, yeah, obviously, if, if you know the backstory, Spencer Rattler had a shit-tastic beginning to the season and went down. They replaced him with... Caleb Williams, who was a freshman who then came out uh, and had played lights out in his freshman year, 1,912 yards, 21 touchdowns, only four interceptions. And he rushed for another 450 yards. And then as we know, or do not know, maybe if you weren't paying attention, Oklahoma came out and just walked all over Oregon in the Alamo bowl. uh, And he had a, a standout game there. So then what he did is he decided to enter the transfer portal and Georgia was on the list. There were a number of other big schools. And then this Charlie batch who was a former, alum of Eastern Michigan and now works with game above capital came out and said, have you considered Eastern Michigan university? If you hadn't, we will pay you a million dollars every year you go there to play for Eastern Michigan. And so suddenly a Mac conference school was on the radar for this kid because this company was willing to pay him a million dollars a year. And that is what they were saying. And I, and I heard about it on the Dan Patrick show. And he was the one saying, now you've effectively created the transfer portal and this NIL situation, and you're now basically allowing college players to become free agents every year because he can either go to Eastern Michigan for a million a year or he can go, what do you other schools want to pay me? Because you know well, that's on the table. And, and mm-hmm. keep me honest here. Spencer Rattler left Oklahoma, I believe, he right? Did. And where did he go? So, Is it Florida? He, South Carolina. South Carolina. Did he get an NIL deal to go to South Carolina? No, Did, I don't know. Exactly. Well, yeah, I don't think. Right. But, right. That was kind of go ahead, Max. Sorry. No, I, I was going to say my, my, you know, and I don't know what this kid's thought process was, but if you, if you stop and look at it, if Spencer Rattler's leaving, you just played lights out as a freshman. Clearly you're going to be the starting quarterback at Oklahoma, but yeah, you still entered the transfer portal. So it, it kind of looks a little shady. Like you said, you know, of, well, maybe the only reason he entered the transfer portal is to open up that free agency and even come back and say, all right, Oklahoma. but he's leveraging, he, right? Well, he's, yeah, leveraging he's leveraging what he can against Oklahoma or anybody yeah. else to come at him. Well, and, and as offer we know, him something better. Yeah, as yeah. we know, Lincoln Riley stepped away from Oklahoma to take the USC job in California, and the Clemson guy, Brent Venables, is now the head coach at Oklahoma. And it may be Caleb was like, I don't fit into your scheme, and so I'm, I don't know because I don't know. Yeah, yeah, so I, say, I don't know what his thought process was yeah. either, but it just seems like you know. You, and I don't know, and I don't know if any of you guys know, can, can you enter the transfer portal multiple times or is it, is it kind of a one and done yes, thing? No, no yeah, you can, but, and you can withdraw. 
Yeah, so he can jump put in, in and then decide to stay. No, no, no correct me if I'm wrong. We've seen that. The first before, time, yeah. the first time you enter the transfer portal, there's no waiting. Like you can play the next season. Yes. But if you enter it a second time, you then have to sit. Was sit it out. one year? I don't think so. I think you can keep. Uh, it used to be portal. you had to sit one used year. I thought the first transfer was like graduated. free, but you student. can't hop. And I hop know and the first one is penalty. beyond that. I don't know, but I've seen a couple of stories of like some players that are on their third transfer. And I will say with Spencer Rattler and Caleb Williams, I think there was more to the story. I don't know that those are good necessarily examples of like NIL driven decisions. I think that was coaching landscape change combined with starting decisions. My suspicion is that the NIL sweeteners started to fall into place as the schools narrowed down and then they got locked in after the fact, but um, Here's the, you know, go, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, to me, the we're probably still going to keep learning more, especially during this period right now, because the, what is it? The dead period's not done. And what is it? February is like national signing day. Yeah. So we may hear more NIL drove this decision type information. And, and I guess here's the concern I have with, you know, this Eastern Michigan deal. You know, this is this is Charlie Batch just coming out and saying, we'll give you a million dollars every year, you know, that you play here. Where's the NIL? Where's the, the name? Of his you just, you <laughs> right. know, I mean, you know, the whole idea behind the NIL is you go to a school and then, you know, the local car dealership or the local well, that's what Applebee's. Comes up and says, "Okay, and, and maybe I missed that part of it." Well, I, I think what Matt's saying right. is he didn't he, tell him what the conditions of the deal were. He right, just pulled in the like, dollar amount. <laughs> yeah, here, here, here's a million dollars to come here. It's not you know, we'll, we'll sell well, pancakes and shit. To- it's fine. Right. Well, again, it's <laughs> not it's not Charlie Batch. Charlie Batch is like the senior vice president or something for gaming uh, above capital or something. That's it's the company. It's the company. Fair paying. enough. Yeah. So, well, look, yeah. Charlie Batch had, probably has a million dollars easily laying around, and yeah. that guy. Carried a clipboard in the NFL for God knows how long and made a ton <laughs> a of super, money. But he was on a Super Bowl winning team, if I'm not mistaken, too. He's probably been on a, cu- so. a couple of them. Yeah. Was he hey. Steelers? He was with the Steelers, I think. Yeah. For a while. Well, yeah, it's yeah. like you and I said. One of the best jobs in football is probably the backup quarterback who holds a clipboard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or getting or, or being fired as a coach. Well, that's true too. You <laughs> well, just got to yeah. play your cards right. Uh, Haas, just to go back to what you said, you may be right. The first one may be free. After that, you may have to sit. I was trying to just find out if that was absolutely true. Um, but yeah, either way, I mean, that's something we've talked about. What is the transfer portal going to do to collegiate sports long term? Because mm-hmm. players are going to jump in, or or like we said, players will jump in and then decide to just back out. Like it's like, oh, I'm going to do it. Let's test the waters. If I don't get anything, then I'll just back out and stay where I'm oh. at, type of thing. Not only that, look at look at Alabama. What did I see? What the day after uh, the championship game, there were like eight players that um, jumped into the inter- portal. Th- th- entered the portal, and I think three from Georgia. And now I'm sure those are guys that are sitting there going. Well, you know, I guess I'm not getting any playing time for another year or two. But you should have known that when you when you agreed to go to that school. You should have known what the depth chart looked like. You know, that shouldn't be anything new to you. So the ability to transfer, I think there needs to be some limitations on the transfer portal and when you can enter it. I, I will say, okay, so this was published in April of 2021. Uh, it said ratified new rule that will allow athletes in all sports to transfer once without yeah, setting out I think a year that's what residence. I saw. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, back to the depth, I think that will be the new norm, um, which is, you know, we don't always study teams to see who all they retained. Right. Like A&M, for example, I mean, this is a huge class coming in and maybe that money sounds good, but at the end of the day, kids want to play. And if they aren't playing, it doesn't take them long to go, well, I want to play. Yeah, and, because if they're not playing, they're not building stats. If they're not building stats yeah, and playing, getting and, recognition, there's no way they're getting to the next level. Yeah, or very and, likely, less likely to. And some of these kids are four and five stars. And you know, my understanding from an article I read last week is that if you do the statistical analysis of most every first round draft of the NFL, the the vast majority of them are four and five stars coming out of high school. It just follows that if they're that good there, they're going to be that good. I mean, natural talent, level. Natural yeah. talent, as long as they're not a piece of and shit. And then there's some exceptions, put in the hard work, you, know. you know, and I'll use Jordan Davis as an example from Georgia, who was a three-star, you know, who's probably going to be a first-rounder. But, yeah, but it's more the norm that if you build that stockpile of talent, what will follow is success on the field. But again, I think there's the money. I think what we haven't seen, because if I'm not mistaken, this is the first class truly driven by NIL. Mm -hmm. Probably. Um, What we haven't seen is does that translate to success on the field? Well, that's what I'm very curious about to see Texas A&M this coming season of like, okay, you bought you a team. And and, and that's the, that's the perfect statement right there, because that's exactly, and we see this in every other professional sport, right? I mean, you know, Tampa's done it. You know, they, they yeah. you know, twice yeah. now, actually. Um, and they sold and the other, team apart afterward. <laughs> yeah, and other, and other sports and other teams do it, right? I mean, they, they go out and they purchase, you know, a championship, basically. And, and I think, to your point, it'll be interesting to see if that's what happens now with Texas A&M. Well, I mean, let's look at just last year. Where was Georgia ranked in the recruiting class last year? Because we know they've won the national championship, right? They, they were top five last year. Now they're three. But but what I'm saying they're is they weren't number one, right? Alabama, no. I believe, was number one. Yeah. I and think, we yeah, see, I think in the last five years they've had the number one class like three times. Right. Alabama. But then but and then I will look, say they had more five stars on the field than any other team this year. Who did? I think they had like 19 on their roster this year. Who? Georgia. Alabama. Oh, okay. Oh, really? Yeah, was it? yeah. yeah Georgia. Yeah. Georgia but, was fourth last year. Okay, but look at who their standouts were. Your quarterback, who was a walk-on, not rated. Your tight end, what was his name? The Brock freshman. Bowers. Not he was not a five-star. Your receiver, number eighty-four, McConkey. Well, no, McConkey. Yeah, not not, not a. Yeah, high, you know what I'm saying. So some of your marquee yeah, yeah. players weren't even highly recruited players. Well, but Georgia did have the the 2020 number one class. No, but I'm just so, saying. I mean, they've been, they've, but none they've of those players I since named. Kirby Smart got there, right? But it, none of the players I named, they were marquee players this year and got them to a national championship and a win. Yeah, it had nothing say, to do with having a great recruiting class. They were just really good players. Un, well, you know, they think, were underrated, but really good. I think a couple of things worth noting on recruiting. Yeah, is hold, that, hold on, because they were second in 2019 and first in 2018. Okay, so the sum of those parts tells you that they've done a damn fine job of recruiting. Well, oh, that, that's, no doubt. that's where I was going with this is with recruiting, it's the consistency year over year. And as we know, like, you know, typically one through five, it's like you're talking 
some variances there, you know, but if you put them all on the field at once and just said, you only get your recruits, you'd probably go, okay, it's going to be competitive. It's the, how you build year over year over year. And this, and this ties in with coaching decisions, which if I'm not mistaken, if you look at coaches, like where they really capitalize is on their like junior year, like their third year, which is their third cycle of recruiting, because they put their thumbprint on that first one, envisioned where the team was going and built it that way. And then that sets the tone for how the team's going to go forward, which, you know, is a bit of like the, the Nick Saban, the process of like, you envision how you're going to build the team, you recruit that way. And then as it gets into about its third year, you're now in your prime position because those guys have reps under their belt. And now you're getting fresh talent and all those young bucks are pushing hard. Um, well, and, this, and that goes back to the conversation we've had about, you know, coaching turnover, right? You know, coaches need to get usually typically, you need a minimum of three years. And that, based right, on that's, that recruiting that's cycle. the detriment because if you, if you reset that, you, as we've seen, it's another three you, years. Hemorrhage transfers. You, you're probably behind the power curve on that recruiting cycle, depending on when you got hired. And now it's not as clear anymore. Of like, is that a two to three year? I'm, I'm kind of hitting my stride. So I, you know, I don't know what all that means, other than that's just kind of some observations in the broad sense of recruiting. But as we look at A and M. I don't, I mean, we can already see it in the preseason. I think they are being in the way too early top 10, but it's Alabama that's already number one because Bryce Young and Will Anderson are coming back. Right. For their junior year. But I think so, NIL is going to allow teams to basically try to purchase a championship one year. They probably, so, I mean, so taking my, my stolen information from an article, what I would guess is what they're doing is they're pressing the gas on that three-year model. Right. And now it's closing to more like let's one and a half, up, two right. and get it to done. where you're just flooding the it, field with talent and going, as long as I have a coaching staff that knows what the fuck they're doing, we'll be fine. It, it almost comes down to the, the, you know, John Calipari uh, basketball mindset, yep. right? You know, I, you, you come here, we're going to pay you a lot of money. You're going to be on national TV. And we're going to get you, you know, in a year or two to the NFL, you know, and, and I think you're looking at the same thing here. Well, and it's the kind of sad. Go ahead. I was just going to say real quick, sorry, I know I'm talking a lot. The one difference is, as we've discussed, the NFL does have a minimum amount of time. It does. has to be at college before yeah. you can go. Yeah. For now. Yeah, so they, for now. For, for now. That, but I, I, the NFL could change that. Change. Yeah. 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 It's funny that you mentioned it because I just Googled Kentucky. I couldn't think of his name, John Calamari. I couldn't think of his fucking name. So it's funny you brought him up. But I think the difference is like for basketball, like kids would go to Kentucky to play for Calamari or go to play for coach or whatever his fucking name is. Because, because I don't even know how you get that pronounced out of his coach name. But that's fine. Yeah, because they thought it was also the best way to win a championship. You were going to sure. play in all the right games to get noticed. Right. And I think that's why students went to Alabama, Clemson. Now it's going to be Georgia because they're like, we're going to be on national TV. We're going to be in the big games. It's going to bolster our stats to jump to the next level. The question and, is, and are they going to get bonuses? Like, are they going to get know. bonuses if they, if, well, they, if they play in the SEC championship game and they play in a bowl game, are they going to get bonuses if they win those? Like, I mean, it, 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 the, the future landscape of this and the unknown of this is kind of nauseating, but I think there are some positives to it. 
um, especially if it can be regulated on a national level. Um, it occurs to me as we were talking about this, if you combine the NIL situation and the transfer portal situation, what that may mean is some lesser schools may actually end up getting some really good talent out of the transfer portal. And you may start seeing more competition within certain divisions or, or, or subdivisions. Would you be referring to Jackson State University? I mean, look at that, number one. Yeah, well, I mean, he went, but he went because you know he's going to get coached by the the greatest defensive time. back pl- player of all time. Right, but, and I don't know. know how much NIL played a factor in that as much as it was. I'm going to be coached by primetime. I'm okay. sure. I'm sure it was probably a combination of things. But I mean, I can say this: watching recruiting like I have this year, uh, more than probably in, in recent memory, South Carolina has gotten like five or six quality transfers this year. Like they're going to be putting out. Fairly quality product next year, hey, based on what Florida I'm seeing. Just picked up a hell of a transfer from Georgia, who was a highly wow. touted recruit with Jalen Kember. Just, yeah. j- just be be careful, Hoss, because we 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 clearly know Hope has left Georgia. That's right. Let's, that's right. let's. He went to sure him for an NIL deal. That's it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> that the is problem. part of the routine, by the way. If you haven't the, seen it, the problem is <laughs> teams like Alabama at Texas. You know, especially now, Texas is going to be making the jump to the SEC along with Oklahoma. And so now it's like that's just another level. The SEC is going to be pulling in more talent, assuming the boosters get behind it and they're using NIL to to attract. Are you ever going to have lesser teams like a? I won't say Jackson State? Uh, What's another one like an Eastern Michigan or Coastal Carolina? Coastal Carolina. Are they going to be able to compete from a monetary level to pull in recruits? I know you mentioned the transfer portal, but those lesser teams that don't have deep pockets are still going to be disadvantaged. Unless, like Haas says, I, I, look, I think it, at the end of the day, Diamond Days down in Myrtle Beach can put together a really good NIL deal for Coastal Carolina. <laughs> you know, the the uh, the all you can eat lunch buffet there. With the girls, girls, girls. Is it, is it banging? Yeah, it's banging, man. It'll, it'll is, bring is in it, some hey, Is it finger licking good? Oh, it, it, it could be like Grinch's Brazilian. That's right. Yeah. Hairless? <laughs> I'm not even sure. I did like the uh, the meme I sent with the uh, Colonel uh, photoshopped into the uh, yes. uh, yeah. what it, Clockwork Orange yes. when you're about to go beat the finger licking fuck out of someone. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Haas, I, I agree. If they don't put in national regulations, it's going to get out. I mean, it's already starting to get out. Of it's hand. already out of hand. Well, and, we're less and, than and, year well and here's what it means. It means those universities and those conferences that organize well now and start setting up things so they can funnel efficiently and effectively, those like, like what A&M's done with this recruiting class, you're going to see them having a huge leg up advantage and kind of setting up little dynasties like what Alabama's done. But, and, Interestingly and enough... Alabama legislature, as of two days ago, an article I found, they're trying to roll back the the NIL uh, uh, law in the state of Alabama, which would only really yeah. affect and those in are Alabama those are Auburn grads. Well, and you also see a, a whole other um, you know kind of job market coming up here of, of companies starting up to to kind of help funnel these NIL deals and, and yeah. manage them for these agents. Players. Yeah. yeah. So now you have agents Brand at the agents. college level. That, that just seems scary. Well, and here's the other thing. So I think, you know, as the, as the world turns, um, a couple of things. I mean, the, as we've discussed, there are pros and cons to this, but these are still kids. Kids want to play. Like the money, maybe there's going to be some in the grand scheme who are like, my family can just benefit from this money. So I, I, I'm going to do this. Because it's, it, it's a guarantee. 
you know, 50 K ain't nothing, especially if you are not, you know, like you're a single mom or whatever. So I'm not casting stones at anybody's decision to do that, but it's only going to take a few times where you're sitting behind someone for multiple years because you got paid to go there where you're like, this isn't, like my pride is starting to kick in. This isn't what well, I want. Because you, you realize at that point, okay, so I'm going to get paid for four years going here, but then I'm never going to go to the next level and really make a whole yeah, lot. I've never money. seen the field. Yeah. So, and that may be another one of those unintended consequences of you go to a quality program with coaching staff, all the best facilities, you get trained really well. You just don't make the field. And all of a sudden you go to another school that you're the top dog and you make an instant impact because under that system, you're just a much better fit. And, you know, and then that NIL stuff kind of follows after. And, and, you know, I guess what I'm saying is it's the shiny object right now. And if I was coming out of high school and I got told I'd make this much money, I probably would have been like, fuck yeah. And, And it's about a year of watching everybody else out on the field where you're like, I did not sign up for this shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've got ego. They've got pride. They know their stats. I'm sure half these kids stare at their stats after every you, game. When, when do they start becoming, stop becoming teammates and start looking up for number one on every single play? It, and back to the, the, the basketball comparison. I mean, that's five players on the court at once, right? Right. You know, it's a roster of what, like 11, 12, whatever it is, as opposed to like 85, so in terms of can you build a single season dream team off one recruiting class? Well, I think most will tell you it's rare that a freshman could make that big of a difference aside from like a quarterback to just catapult a team to where they couldn't have been otherwise. Now for every rule, there's going to be somebody that this, this shows me I'm absolutely wrong. Like obviously, you know, to a, which I think yeah, wasn't he like a red shirt maybe, but either way, yeah, to you your know, point, that's an exception. Yeah, yeah. And they were already surrounded by talent that had upperclassmen. But you know, what that's, is he... that's the that like to, to me, those were the two have to come together to create that like perfect storm on the field, which is you're over your depth with tremendous capability, and you just bring those super unique, talented folks that come out and make a difference, which tend to be like your quarterbacks and wide receivers. Yeah, but Mac and I, I mean, we talked about this. When's the last standout five-star lights-out, balls-out quarterback at college that went on and won a Super Bowl in the NFL? He was a first-round or a, 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 a you know top pick in the draft and went on and won a Super Bowl. Mac, you and I looked at this. I mean, it hasn't happened recently. No, it's been because a while. all of all of your number one picks, number one, number twos, have just not gone on and I mean, they've done things, well, and, but yeah, I mean, like was wasn't like Ben Roethlisberger one of the exceptions? But you got Joe Burrow. He's the exception right now because Cincinnati and they they won. Right. right. I'm just saying it, it's just one of those. It hasn't happened recently. And that's why I was asking, you know, it's like, yeah, we we put a lot of stock in them. But I'm not saying somebody like a, a Stetson Bennett's going to go to the NFL and play lights out. Right. I'm not saying that. I'm just. Yeah, he, yeah he's going to law school. By right. the way. We put a lot of we put a lot of emphasis he in said that, that number one recruit. And then they go on and, and they don't really do a whole lot. And it's just like. I mean, we know the NFL is a different game. And the quarterback room is a perfect example of that. I mean, I'm surprised we haven't seen a Carson Beck 
or maybe even a Brock Vandergriff declare that they're transferring yet. I think it'll happen. It's just Stetson Bennett and JT Daniels both have another year of eligibility and neither one of them have said what they're doing yet, but no five-star quarterback wants to sit on the bench for multiple seasons. No, they just don't. I mean, I think you're, your, your skill players are the ones that want to get out there right away. Like your linemen, those big beef eaters are the ones that are like, oh, this freshman's over here lined up against me. <laughs> 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 you know? Like he hasn't seen it. He hasn't seen much yet. <laughs> I'm going to do this twisty shit with some handy stuff. Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> they, they just can't like the mass just get that weight program putting on those pounds like training in a way they've never yeah. trained before as opposed to i just inherently have lights out speed and hands you know for days like i can catch anything in my vicinity or like a baller quarterback yeah i think i think you're right i think you know obviously the skill players want to get it because they want, they want to pad those stats and they want to show you know that over a course of time they can do xyz while they're there and, and I think in some places, like you said, like with the offensive line, they need game time. If they want to get NFL ready, they have to have game time. They ha- that, that only comes from that, – that knowledge that they need only comes from experience. So if they're not getting game time, they're going to check out and go somewhere else. Yeah. And, and I'd be curious, too, another, to look at another stat of like, okay, first slash second round, how many of them were selected and they didn't start? Injury – Injuries being the barring exception. Injury, yeah. yeah, barring injury. I'd be willing to bet it's almost all of them. That's funny. To answer yeah. my own question, Mac, I think you look it up. Peyton Manning was drafted was, overall yeah. number one. And so we're talking late 90s. Because uh, there are others on this list, but, oh, this person was a backup and never played it down. Well, then that don't fucking count just because you were mm-hmm. <laughs> number one. Or how about Heisman Trophy winners that don't amount to yeah. shit in the NFL? <laughs> you know, but, that happens all the fucking time. Uh-huh. Ultimately, I think college player, not the best NFL player. Right. I think with NIL, it's going to create an issue. Haas, as you said, unless there is national regulation and rules in place, it's going to it's going to continue to cause problems because teams are going to try to buy a recruiting class in the hopes, Grinch, as you said, that they can push up their timeline, win now. And then if that doesn't work, then what do they do? You know, then you're going to see this flux of. Okay, everybody entering the transfer portal. I thought an interesting thing was talking about the transfer portal is Greg Sankey, who, of course, is the Southeastern Commissioner, Southeastern Conference Commissioner, said in July of 2021, 13,000 Division I student athletes entered the portal. Now, obviously, that's not football only. 11,000 still remain without a new team. So you are taking a risk jumping into the portal, hoping somebody's going to snatch you up. Maybe it's easy for a Spencer Rattler to jump in. He's a known commodity. He's a name, and South Carolina was like, Let's but I believe him. you can rescind it and stay, though, can't you? You can, but it does say that eleven thousand remain without a new team. Yeah. Now I don't know if there's a you. I don't know if you can only stay in the portal for so long, and if you haven't backed out, mm-hmm. you're just done. Yeah, well, and, and, let, and let's brass taxes. Let's let's say we're right. Let's say they can enter the portal and then rescind it and stay where they're at. Do you think those colleges are treating those coaches and that organization is treating them different? Well, I can tell you we're going to find out at Florida because Emory Jones went into the portal and then yeah, and out. stayed. Yeah, but and clearly he's he's not the odds-on favorite to get the starting job next next season already. Anyway, is that going to be which AR? way? You're... What's that? Is that AR or is that going to be 
Jack Miller. Uh, Jack Miller. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, no, I mean, it's, you know, as Grinch mentioned about the, the way too early poll, it's way too early to determine you still yeah. have to play games, but, but the prediction right now is that he'll be the uh, starting quarterback. But it has nothing to do with this discussion. And, and I think the important thing to, to realize is that we have no idea how to fix this. No. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, 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 that, that's the scary part about it. And here's know, the I, question I the whole, Are they even trying to fix it? Probably not because it's, you know, just like anything else with the NCAA, if there's money to be made somewhere for somebody, yeah, they just, they they're going to bury their heads it. and don't, yeah, and don't give and a And that's shot. why, you know, you mentioned, you know, there needs to be rules around it. It, it can't be governed by the NCAA. No, it would, um, it, yeah. it'll get screwed up, I think. Agreed. And, and then the issue is going to be, and we talked about this way back when we first did our very first episode on student compensation is what if Grinch and I go to the same school and, and somebody's paying Grinch a million dollars to play as a quarterback and I'm a quarterback and I'm not getting paid a million dollars and he goes down and I'm like, no, I, now Grinch, you said some of these guys, they just want to play, so they don't care. But I mean, if it's one of those things where it, does that create conflict in the locker room going this motherfucker? Oh, I think, I think it, I think it becomes a situation where, you know, again, you look at it as, okay, now I'm going to set myself up. Grinch is down. He made a million dollars this year. Time for Mac to shine and then go enter the transfer portal and get my million dollars. That's right. right? And that's maybe exactly (laughs) how they're thinking. Well, and I think it's worth noting too. I mean, two of the voices that are saying this has got to be looked at are, I mean, in this particular article, of course, Saban's going to get, I mean, he, he just has that Wasta. He has that, you know, that um, Wasta's gravitas. term. Yeah, he's got that gravitas to be the guy to say it's got to be looked at. But the, the two coaches that are saying we really need to look at it are the two that played in the national championship. You know, not for nothing. Like, I, I realize they re, you know, they're probably a little concerned that this is going to shift the power structure. And they're both really good at recruiting. So now that they see that this is a leverage point for how you get recruits, which back to Saban's quote, which was, I don't think that was the intent. The intent was for these players to be able to benefit from their own name, image, and likeness when this was passed, mm-hmm. which so you just makes sense. It wasn't intended. Like nobody designed it to go, and then this will be a great way for teams to steer where talent goes. It, it, it was not a, it's not supposed to be a recruiting tool. It's supposed to be something where – Okay, you get to the school you want to go to that recruited you fair and square. And now here's a way for you to get, you know, some cash off your name and likeness based on the way you're playing, you know, as opposed to the school getting that money. Because to understand, you know, why recruiting changed is you got to you got to go back to really Nick Saban in Alabama, who created an entire recruiting staff with analysts people that manage the logistics of how to move players in and around. They create the most, you know, efficient ways to get around. Like I realize this is another aspect of this worth discussing of like, if a school can just throw resources and we, you know, Haas, you shared that article about how much Georgia spent Kirby smart just flew to like three games in a day in his own helicopter Mm -hmm. because he can, there's a lot of players in a day. And just the impact of watching a head coach that just won a national championship land in a helicopter. If I'm app state, I'm like, well, clearly I ain't going to be able to do that now or ever. Like, I don't even, I don't even have one one thousandth of those resources. 
but you could still going back to what Saban started, which didn't require a ton of resources, which is you need to recognize the importance of recruiting and build a team that's really good at it and then figure out how to connect with these kids. Because what we tend to see for these folks, that, you know, the kids that are interviewed after why they decided where they're going is they say things about like it felt right, felt like family. This was a good fit, you know, like all those things about just did they feel comfortable? Now, we all know that's an ongoing relationship, hence the transfer portal. But that's what got them in the door is the culture, not the dollar figure. Yeah, and I that, think NIL was designed as kind of like the sweetener after the fact, not it was on the front end of the equation to go, let me tell you the dollar figure. Now let's talk this other shit. It was more yeah. like a dessert, not an entree. Yes. And now the living room conversation, I guarantee you, is changing. Coaches can sit down with a student and it used to be you're going to play on Saturday. You know, we can guarantee you this. You're going to be playing in the best facilities, blah, 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 with the best home crowd. And now it's like we can pay you a million dollars to come to our to our school like that's part of the conversation now it has to be well, well and how about this you 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 don't think these new recruiting cells probably have a decent sense of the financial financial situation of these kids I bet of they course do. they do it's part I of their analytics do. now yep and they probably know <sighs> what they can get away with they, they probably some of these kids they go i don't have to offer them a million 50 grand like you said to some people that ain't nothing yep. 50 grand if you come to our school and they're going okay I'll get to play and I'll get 50 grand. I mean, we've all heard it, you know, what, 25 years ago. It's like, if you got a new suit as a student, you got busted because you took money to get a suit for something or whatever. And it's like, now it's like, I can get 50 grand. Fuck yeah, I'll do it. Well, and, and, you know, if I'm going to give a little bit of credit to AM, AM knows it's the skill players to get all the recognition. Now, some of them are very selfless in how they've designed and said, I'll share this, that, and the other. But they were like, who gets no recognition? uh your lineman <laughs> the long snapper your punter you know? yeah your kickers <laughs> only get recognition when they fuck up yeah. that's the only recognition yeah and it's funny because you mentioned you know the people that had an issue with it or that was outspoken about it and both were in the national championship but it says texas a&m signed the consensus number one ranked class which we know and it says that the boosters for the aggies reportedly spent millions to help lure and ensure that prospects ink deals with a&m so naturally, I, I don't know. I mean, I think we all agree. Texas, the state of Texas just takes football differently and they're willing to do that. Maybe Georgia's not willing to do that. Maybe it is. I, I'm Kirby smart and I'm just going to be out on the trail and I'm going to be sitting in living rooms where Texas and Texas A&M are more like, we're just going to throw money at the problem. So it's now, how do you compete with that? And maybe that is part of the frustration is your Alabamas and your Georgias who are going, we work our ass off on the recruiting trail every fucking season. And now you've got somebody who's just sitting there going, oh, well, we'll throw money at the problem. It, it, the work becomes, Dan Mullen would probably thrive in that situation. Yeah, well, we, we can throw well, money welcome, at it. Welcome to every other sport, professional and collegiate, right? I mean, right. it's... Is yeah. making college well, football more like NFL free agency, is that a good thing? I, I think... There can be benefits, and this ties to the transfer portal. And again, I'll steal a quote from Saban. You know, he said he understands most of the transport, transfer portal activity is based on playing time. But, quote, when you have 85 guys on scholarship, everybody can't start. Um, but the other aspect of this that's in this collective consideration is that your Miamis, your USC's, your UCLA's, 
your other programs have not put up that firewall and their talent is leaving. Hence the PAC 12 irrelevance lately. Hence Miami's complete irrelevance for however long. And so you had programs that, you know, turn their recruiting up to 11 at the same time, these, these traditional power bases of recruiting did nothing to retain the talent. Like look how many players have left California because they want to compete in USC and UCLA and all these teams right now. I mean, maybe even your Stanford and you start going up the coast. They just haven't been. Oregon was the closest and Miami just lured, you know, Oregon's, head coach away now i got they just picked up dan landing which i think is a fantastic hire and i have no doubts just like kirby did by taking the saban concept and applying it at georgia that's i'm sure what landing is going to do at oregon but let's be honest is landing going to tap phil knight because of how close those ties are and going hey bro we could really bring in some top recruits if you look uh, i read another article of current recruits that were at the all-american bowl that 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 responded anonymously of all the locations you went to, who had the best facilities? Oregon was number one. Georgia was number two. Just because of where they are in the arc of spending. You got Nike, you got Phil Knight there. They've put a shit ton of money into Oregon for facilities. Right. They just didn't do all the other things. You know, no, they, and, didn't, they didn't yeah, think about building right, off lines right. and all that stuff like they should have. And let's not, you know, and hey, Oregon went in and beat Ohio State this year. It's not that they were a bad team. Right. They just didn't beat Utah twice. <laughs> oh, there's that. <laughs> I, I don't know. I did. It's just a slippery slope. And it, I think it gets uglier before it gets better because teams are going to try to find a way. Yeah, I think even if there are rules, teams are going to try to find a way to try to skirt it in, in, in order to recruit and engage top talent at their school. And for some of them, it's going to be the only way. I know we watch a Caleb Williams at Oklahoma and we think, oh, maybe this guy is the second coming and Eastern Michigan's will throw money on, but he could go to Eastern Michigan and shit the bed. I mean, there is no guarantees. Yeah, I mean, he could have anyway. no offensive line, no skill right. players around him. Yeah, he could be running for his life. But exactly, and hopefully he can do that. But he may be just looking at the dollar signs going, I'm going to be, I have at least another three years I could stay because I've already done my freshman year. So I could earn another 3 million if I go to Eastern Michigan. Even if I take my lumps, I could earn 3 million. So, I mean, we've talked about it as many students that athletes as exist and how many slots there are at the next level. Most of these guys, that's all they're ever going to earn in terms of massive amounts of money. So it's, it may be just like, I need to capitalize on it now because I don't know that I'm getting to the next level and getting a payday. Yep. You know, I, I think what, what was Tom Brady sixth round yeah. drafted in the sixth round, right? That I don't think people go, I don't mind being drafted in the sixth round because I'll be Tom Brady. I mean, everybody wants to go high and yet you have Tom who was, uh, you know, outside of Michigan maybe, but, and then look where he's gone to. I, I think most students want to go high and most students won't ever go. So it's like, we're going to earn now. I'll use the transfer portal to my benefit and try to use this name, image, and likeness and try to tap as much as I can today. So I just it almost makes you wonder from a contractual standpoint, what is going to mean moving forward to how they lock in these kids and legally where this goes as far as, all right, we've recruited you. You said you're coming here and we've promised you all this now in return, you need to promise us. Right. You know, and if you decide like, 
I, I know there are, with coaches, there are contracts that say, you know, if you come and you coach here, we'll pay you this much. But if you leave in year one or after year one or within a year, you owe us this much back. In year two, you owe us, and it's prorated. It's, uh, they call them golden handcuffs uh, in the professional world. It makes me wonder if, if that's where we're headed with, with players that get NIL uh, deals and agreements to keep them from jumping around. And I think that that I think that's what will start to follow as the community normalizes. I mean, and I, I use or I think about like a De'Aaron King in Miami. What what? How many games did he play? You know, he was the face of the program and got hurt. Didn't play a snap after whatever game it was, you know, and it's like. I mean, I think the uh, as, a, as we've heard joked the most unknown professional sports team in all of the world, which is the whatever Panthers in Miami. (laughs) (laughs) Like I didn't even know they had a hockey team and they were like, let's NIL, dear King, let's get some people aware that we got a hockey team, you know? And then they're like, Hey, fuck. (laughs) Well, I mean, you look at this, I mean, wait, how does this even work? Hold on a second. This water should, the most the 12 massive nil nil deals in 2021 number three gt sports marketing a 1.4 million dollar deal for quinn ewers he was the number one high school prospect in the country and he skipped skipped his senior senior year year yeah of high school to go to yeah and it's funny you say this because a lot of people now are saying what are we doing to protect high school kids from this because this is going to bleed down to that yeah uh, I think I, I'm, I know I mentioned it to Mac. One of the highest paid high school students right now is um, LeBron James' son and his NIL Bronny. deals. Bronny. Yeah. And it's like the kids in high school, and, and clearly I'm sure he is his own standout, right? But he's dad's name recognition, but he's already making money in high school. And it's like, what the fuck? But to skip your senior year, what does that even mean if you don't make it? Well, that means homeboy plans to play football. <laughs> uh, yeah, he better be that good. But what if he gets hurt? He may be a plumber. Well, you know, but then there's all these insurances you get, you know, that can pay out pretty good too. So hopefully if you have a decent money manager and or parents or whatever, um, someone's telling you, you take a chunk of that money and you invest it in insurance for yourself. And if you or, get hurt, you've hedged your bets and you still get a payday. Yeah, just not a funny question. Because we've always we've always seen that happen in, in, in professional sports. Yeah. They, they manage their money well. <laughs> I mean, I just and, wonder. I wonder if that's going to end up being you know a standard operating procedure. Or like like we're saying, homeboy gets there, doesn't win the starting job. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you look at it from a football perspective. That's not, yeah, it's not a given because, you know, it's different than basketball. You can be, you know, 160 pounds and still play. You can't, you've got to be a man to play, you know, at the offensive line and defensive line in football, even at the college level. Right. Yeah. You've got to believe he's a generational talent if you're doing that. But, you know, it's, it's worth noting. One of the best players on Alabama's team was a transfer from Ohio State, Jamison Williams. Came from another Power Five. Didn't like where he stood in the depth chart there. Got to Alabama and freaking lit up the world. Yeah, I mean, now we're talking about high schoolers. How, how long before we're talking about middle schoolers? Or I mean, because I know middle schoolers are already getting tracked by getting, programs. Yeah. Well, I mean, the MLS is, you know, signing 14-year-olds. 
Right. <laughs> and then, of course, we yeah, see. Yeah, but that's also a sport where age, you know, youth age is way more. But that brings up a great point. I mean, that, that's a sport, you know, internationally where they do. They, they start, you know, so, I don't want to say signing, but they start looking at talent at a very, well, very young Nine, age. 10, 11 years old. They've got yeah. them living in these compounds running drills and playing all day long and learning, you know, working on fundamentals. And then of course, education is later in the day. Well, and back to the financial needs of the student, the student athlete. I mean, there are going to be some who simply don't care about that. Do you, do any of us think Arch Manning needs an NIL deal? Right. He'll take it. He'll take it, but he and, they, and it will get offered yeah. to him. Mm-hmm. The question but is, it, but he can go anywhere and it'll course. be offered. Of course. Uh, and it's interesting because I just looked up high school and it's saying Alaska, California, Nebraska, New Jersey, and New York are currently the states where it's clear all high school student athletes in the state can profit from NIL activities. So those states have an open a kind of a, you know, you guys want to make money. So, at the high school so now our family's going to move to those states. Sure. So Why well, they're, let's they're be honest. Yeah. They already do. Yeah, they already do. I mean, look at look at some of these high school players who have been on three different teams. Well, like I, and, IMG Academy. Yeah. Families move there. And that's here specifically to get pipelined. And, and at the end of the day, out of state tuition means nothing at this level. No, the, these guys are, you know, they, they don't know the word, you know, out of state tuition. They're getting they're getting their schooling paid for no matter what. Um, so yeah, they, they getting, don't even they aren't getting paid fair enough <laughs> right there but, but again but you that's see- where it comes back to you know should should you just say okay we're going to scrap the nil deal this whole you know and we're just going to go back to you know student athletes will get paid you know x dollars every every athlete gets paid the same i think what you're you saying know? is they get their stockings at the end no no you never get your stocking <laughs> at the end Always at the beginning. Standard Always operating procedure. Yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, you I'm like so, to take your stocking in the end, I know. And it says deals with high school students are heating up. This is interesting for North Carolina. Earlier this week, Jaden Rashada became the first high school football player to publicly announce an NIL deal. Back in October, highly ranked prospect Mikey Williams was the youngest athlete to sign with Puma Hoops. Although Williams lives in North Carolina, whose state high school association expressly prohibits NIL deals. But he plays they, for a private academy, and it's not subject to those rules. Right. Yeah, I was just saying, so there's some lawyers behind the scenes on this Oh, one. yeah. <laughs> that is interesting. Yeah, so again, when does it end? How does it stop? Or, or again, if they don't get regulations in place, how bad and does it And that's the problem is there's, the regulations aren't – I don't even know if anybody's trying. Well, I think, I, think it has to, I think it has to get out of control before somebody start, starts right. to say – Some oh, argument's really, already cause, there. Well, because there's – again, as we've mentioned – if there's money to be made, there's people that are going to be like, "Whoa, no, you're not, you're not reeling this in." Well, then, from an from an accountability <laughs> standpoint, let's say Texas A&M has the number one school, and let's say they come out and win the national championship, then every other school is going to go, "We need to get on it's board. A, we need we need to start doing success, something." Yeah. Right. If they come out of the gate and they shit the bed this year, their own boosters are going to go, "What did we just pay for? Right. And why did we do it?" And then who's held accountable at that point? <laughs> well, but I think. I think the Grinch's point is you still, even if you're paying for it, you have to look at it as a three-year kind of deal, right? Right. You, you can't bring all these guys in and hope, you know, even if you're paying for the, the top talent and think that you're going to win a championship year one. Well, I just don't think. 
I don't think that's realistic. And, and you know, and I'm, I'm, I, I've acknowledged the practicality of like, if you've got a family in need, but I do want to return to something I said when we had this previous conversation and, and it kind of ties into that quote from Kirby smart. I posted into the chat, which is if you've got a player that only wants to hear the dollar signs, I don't know that he's the right player for my program. Right. He doesn't have the, yeah, the and, kind of, I don't want to say personality. And I'm not yeah. saying he can't make me pay for it later, but <clears throat> you know, that it's just one of those, like if you're looking for character value, absolutely wins the deal. Then they might be toxic in the locker room. They might not be the person that when you're in the fourth quarter and it requires blood, sweat, and tears to beat another teammate, they just don't have it because that's not how they're wired. Well, not just that. They're thinking dollar signs and they're they're, they're thinking individual gains over team gains. Well, yeah, I'm I'm not running across the middle to to catch that ball. These are the same cats that'll opt out of a bowl game in a heartbeat. Yep. I also saw it's funny. WWE signs fifteen college athletes. I saw that. IL deals. <laughs> it's I, like eyes developmental pipeline. <laughs> it's like why stuff. Fuck. It's like okay, whatever. Yeah, it says uh, wrestling, football, and track and field. Leave it to Vince McMahon to uh, to find a way to make money out of anything. Yeah, exactly. Well, I will say I think the Nature Boy is dead to me. Didn't he? Didn't he shift to like Tennessee? After being something like that, friend. or yeah, yeah, yeah. PNG, PNG it happens. Uh, again, it was an interesting topic, and now this is the third time we've kind of touched on compensation for collegiate athletes. Obviously, it's a different approach now because this isn't. I think you know colleges are now kind of taking the bull by the horns because they've been given a license to do so, and companies are coming in, boosters are coming in, and they are now a part of the conversation more so, I think, than ever before, using those deep pockets to build a team and hopefully win a championship, whether that's in a year or three years, either way, clearly that's what they're trying to do. Uh, you know, and we've joked about it. We're tired of seeing Alabama win. You know, we're tired of seeing the Clemson's win. Maybe that era is now shifting. We'll have to see how it moves down the road, but I think other teams are like, this is the only way we can be competitive. And so we'll see what happens if there aren't regulations in place, what happens in the wild West? I don't know. Hey, um, look, look, and we'll talk about it on our Liquor Leaks podcast. I'm already tired of Georgia winning. So. <laughs> it's already been a year. We're done. Let's move on to somebody else. Eastern Michigan. Next year, it'll be Eastern Michigan. Caleb Williams will be there under center getting his million dollars, and we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, so any final thoughts? NIL at this point, I mean, we're almost a year on. It happened last year in July. We've had a couple of conversations about it. You know, is it a positive across the board. I mean, you can say it's a positive for the, for the student naturally, right there. Yeah. I'll stand by that. I'll stand by that. I think the student has a right to that. Yes. Um, We just, I mean, even I am underestimated how bad it can get, how capitalism would just go bananas. If you want to call it that. (laughs) Right. You know, it's like, Oh, you want 25,000 fine. I mean, now we're talking millions, then it's going to be multi-millions. And then where does it stop? Uh, But as always, Yeah. Uh, the only other quote I was going to throw out there, and Mark Packer said it a thousand times, you're worth whatever somebody's willing to pay. That's it. And maybe these boosters, and I'm sure they do, have money to burn and they don't care. But what happens when they keep throwing money at it and it amounts to nothing? And that will happen. That absolutely well, and, will happen. And, you know, and the poor pressure that some of these kids are going to be under. I mean, my fear is, what is that going to do to their mental health? 
yeah, that's right. Careful the pressure because when you're when you're being paid that kind of money, that kind of I don't think young people should be under that that much pressure. Mm-hmm. Quite frankly. Yeah, I mean we we've, we've discussed this as well. I mean there's you know rapid change that doesn't take into account a lot of like the just because we can doesn't mean we should statement like if these things aren't implemented in a healthy way, there will be unintended consequences. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what those are until they happen. Not always. You can't account for it. Uh, but as always, gentlemen, thank you for being here. I do appreciate it. Week in and week out, you guys giving me your hot takes and your position on whatever our discussion is this week. It just happened to be NIL. Uh, we'll see what happens going down the road. Obviously next at the end of this year, when the new season starts, we'll see how Texas A&M does with their number one recruiting class. And if they can be competitive, if they're not, that's going to open up a whole nother set of questions for them. And then how does this proceed moving forward? Maybe there will be regulations in place by then, but who the hell knows? It doesn't look like that's going to happen anytime soon. Maybe it's just got to get really bad before anyone does anything, but I appreciate y'all being here. I love you guys. And thank you so much. And we will do this again next week. information or opinions expressed during the Aspirited Debate podcast series or any affiliated podcasts are solely those of the hosts or guests involved and do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the host or guests may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. While guests are invited to listen, listeners acknowledge that they are not being provided professional advice from the podcast or its guests. The content within the parameters of Aspirited Debate podcast series or any affiliated podcast are for entertainment and educational purposes only. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual.